ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As in the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it. But hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Welcome to History of a Haunting. Hey, everybody. I'm Archie. I'm Carrie. And I'm the live studio audience. (laughs) Who consistently acts like she doesn't want to be here. (laughs) Or if she's going to be here, she doesn't want to have attention called to her. (laughs) Because we introduce ourselves and we're like, looks at her. And she's like, what are you looking at me for? (laughs) What? What? Uh, <laughs> anyway, hi guys, welcome to History of a Haunting. We have a really amazing episode to bring you today. It is on one of Arch, I think you and I talked about this just a minute ago. Probably our most infamous location we've done to date. Or famous. Yes. As it is a very highly respected and visited location. It is, yes. It's got an amazing history. We actually toyed with the idea of calling this the Archie Bays show. (laughs) Because Archie has a lot of history in his portion today. Um, But, uh, live studio audience, would you like to tell the listeners where we're taking them today? To Alcatraz Prison. Yes, we are taking them to Alcatraz, which in Spanish, Archie, is... Isla de los Alcatraces. Good job. <laughs> nice. That was very nice. Yeah, we practiced that a lot. Well, the tequila helps. <laughs> the te- oh, well, the tequila helps. <laughs> well, of course, of course it does. Because before we started, it was, from both of us, it was Isla de los Alcatraces, Alcatraces, Alca, Alcaholics, Alca... Alcatraz. Alcatraz. <laughs> Uh, we finally figured out that it was Isla de los Alcatraces. So, yeah, we're going to take you guys to Alcatraz. Um, before we get started, I do have just um, one EVP that I want to go over, which again is Endless Vocal Prattles. It's, it's, it's our what we're calling our updates and announcements here on History of a Haunting. And then Archie does want to announce our Patreon of the Week. Um, So guys, in last week's episode of the Driscoll Hotel, I talk about the phenomenon when you look into a mirror and you stare into it long enough, your brain starts to alter the image you're looking at. That's just so bizarre. It's really bizarre, but it's it's called the Troxler effect. Who does that, though? Well... I mean, stares into a mirror endlessly. Me. Oh my god, I should (laughs) have known. But in my defense, if I can have one, well, enough people do enough people do it that it has a name. Uh, thank, thank you. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh. <laughs> Just suck my tongue out at my mother. But anyway, um, when I look into the mirror for four hours, it's because I'm either like 
fucking with my eyebrows or I'm putting on makeup or I'm trying a new eyeshadow explosion on my face or, you know, whatever. But it sort of, like I said in the episode, it kind of harkens back to the Bloody Mary thing, you know? Oh. Yes. So, um, but there are some folks, I'm not saying I've done it and I'm not saying I've not done it, but... The Troxler effect is basically peripheral fading as visual neurons in your brain adapt to unimportant stimuli. So at first, you can see everything in front of you. Like when we were talking about it earlier, Archie, you said when you're looking at your face peripherally, you're looking at your eyes, but you can still see your nose, you can see your mouth, your eyebrows, mm-hmm. you, can, you can still see all of that. Like, we can all actually look at our nose. Right. But our eyes are so accustomed to it as not being something important that we just don't see it right exactly um so you at first you see everything in front of you but then your eyes begin to ignore what isn't necessary or within their focus Mm -hmm. so if you're looking in the mirror and you're focusing on say your left eye or your chin your your brain will start to filter out what isn't in its immediate focus or what it deems necessary Um, So the scientific thought behind this is that it presumably frees up processing power and enhances perceptual efficiency, which is a very elaborate way of saying your brain will fuck with what you're looking at in the mirror. (laughs) Um, There have been a number of people that have reported seeing their foreheads slide down their face while they're just staring at themselves in the mirror for a long enough period of time. That's so weird. I feel like it's weird. Like, I feel like I kind of want to do it just to see what my mind would come up with. When you say a certain length of time, what do you mean? Like 10 minutes, 15, 20, however however long. I guess it's different for everyone. Who does that, though? Who stares at their forehead for 10 minutes in the mirror? Why would you do that? Well, I mean, people, apparently people a number... People on lockdown. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, if there was a pandemic, down. for example, and people had nothing better to do, I mean, I, it, there's probably any number of listeners right now doing it. Uh, <laughs> but the other, the other flip side of this is, is that sometimes your brain will fill up that... that um, stuff that it deems unnecessary or unimportant with other stuff. So it's not uncommon to have people report that their face turned demonic. Oh. My ride just dropped me off. I'm sorry. It just left. Toilet paper delivery is here. That that massive toilet paper delivery is here. I've got the (laughs) in. Uh, Call me. I'm kidding. I don't have the in. Uh, Don't call us. Don't call (laughs) us because I feel like we're in sort of a time where people would do that. Um, but a lot of people have reported that they've seen their eyes go black, like a demon's. Uh, people have seen their face look like almost like a stroke victim's where, you know how when a stroke victim's face gets drawn on the one side, so their face Mm -hmm. will get drawn on the one side, but not in the, like, drawn sense in that their mouth entirely gets just put to their chin. Like one half is just moved to their chin. Suffice to say, I've never... Witness I've never, I've never done it either. I mean, I look at myself in the mirror a lot, all the time. But again, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing my makeup on this side, then I'm doing it on this. Like I'm focusing on different areas of my face. I'm never just standing in the mirror for four hours and just staring oh, at my beauty. I mean, I mean, I would. I'm gorgeous, but 
my time is way too precious. <laughs> but again, it's a game. If you could, I mean, think about it. It's a game. If you could sit there and stare at your face long enough in one spot, what would you see? I, I, I'm not saying that we here at History of a Haunting are condoning this. You might see terrifying, scary shits. <laughs> so we are not telling you to do that. We're just the opposite. Just the opposite. Avoid but I'm years. saying it is an actual scientific phenomenon called the Troxar effect. And it is something that I did touch on in the Driscoll Hotel episode last week. Okay. So I did want to cover that just really quick. Um, I have clearly disturbed my mother endlessly <laughs> by the idea. Um, and now she's going to Google who does this. Uh, if you do it, message us and then, you know, let her know so that she knows um, to tell you to stop doing it because it's clearly bothering her. Uh, that's all I have for my EVPs to review this week. Arch, we do have our Patreon of the week. Our Patreon of the week is Marie. Yes, Marie is um, <laughs> one of our most... Um, Loyal listeners, Marie has been with us since uh, before we we started the podcast, when we started promoting it before we actually launched episodes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Marie is really lovely. She is actually a um, childhood friend of mine, and uh, she lives in Texas. And so, Marie, thank you so much. We really appreciate your patronage, and we certainly hope that we are... <coughs> she drank her coffee. <coughs> Sorry, what? She drank her coffee wrong. <laughs> it went down the wrong. Sorry, Marie. <laughs> <laughs> I need another cup of coffee. <laughs> anyway, Marie, <laughs> Marie, could you get me another yeah. coffee? You've been a, f- a friend of mine since we were kids. You know how this fucking goes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Marie, if you could get my mom a cup of coffee, that'd be great. That would be awesome. Super amazing. Uh, anyway, so here is a standing ovation for you, Marie. Thank you so much for being our Patreon of the week. All right, guys. Welcome to the first part of History of a Haunting, the Archie Bays Show. Oh, Christ. Ready? Not any pressure or anything. Not any pressure. Tell us all about the history, Archie. Go in depth. We are talking about Alcatraz Island in San Francisco, California, USA, as found on legendsofamerica.com. Our Bible, basically. You know. Yeah. Long before Alcatraz became home to some of the most notorious outlaws in the country, it was known as a place to be avoided by Native Americans who believed it to contain evil spirits. These Native Americans called the Ahlone, a Miwok Indian word meaning Western people, Yes. often utilized the island as a place of isolation or banishment for members violating tribal laws. Despite the legends of evil spirits, Alcatraz was also used by the Indians as an area for food gathering, especially bird eggs and sea life. It is a, 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 it's always been a, a natural habitat. For birds, for sea life, um, and it's something that's protected to this day, which we'll talk about at the end, far, far from now. Sorry. <laughs> the first Europeans to visit the island were the Spanish in 1769, who named it Isla de los Alcatraces, yes. or Island of the Pelicans. Good job. For its large pelican colony. Later, the name was shortened to Alcatraz. 
By, you know, thank you, white man. (laughs) (laughs) When the Spanish began to build the many missions of Southern California, many of the native... And we're off to the races. (laughs) Later, the name was shortened to Alcatraz. When the Spanish began to build the many missions of Southern California, many many of the native... Alone utilized the island as a hiding place to escape the forced Christianity opposed upon them. In 1848, after the end of the Mexican-American War, California, along with the island, came under the control of the United States. It wasn't long before the U.S. Army realized the strategic position of the island as a defensive site for the San Francisco Bay Area and began the work of building a fortress atop the sandstone outcropping in 1853. By 1854, the lighthouse was completed and 11 cannons were mounted. The rest of the fortress would take years to complete as most as most of the area laborers were much more interested in prospecting for gold rather than the backbreaking work of building Fort Alcatraz. Another cause of delay was the lack of quality building materials. While some sandstone was quarried on nearby Angel Island, much of the granite was used in the building had to be imported from China. Okay, wait a minute. So the island is made of sandstone, and then they imported more they imported the- more sandstone, but mostly they imported granite oh. as a much harder material. Uh, okay. Well, then, I mean, we talk a lot about uh, stone tape theory and stuff in this podcast. So about, it's, you talk a lot about what? Stone tape theory. So it's the idea that um, emotional and uh, emotions and energy can be trapped within certain types of stone, sandstone, limestone, being two of the biggest conductors of paranormal uh, activity. So the fact that this island itself is made of sandstone, and then the building, I mean, granite... Granite granite is also a very good electrical conductor. Okay, yeah. That's, wow, from the get-go. Okay, cool. Sorry, I just... I'm picturing all of it. While completed in 1859, the fortress included a row of enclosed gun positions to protect the dock. Protect the dock. (laughs) I mean, that's much better than protect the talk. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm working on it. You want another drink? Also working on this tequila. There we go. Shut up. It's been a long day. (laughs) Completed in 1859, the fortress included a row of enclosed gun positions to protect the dock, a fortified guardhouse to block the entrance road, and a three-story citadel atop the island that served as an armed barracks and the last line of defense. In December 1859, Captain Joseph Stewart and 86 men took command of Alcatraz Island. In addition to its strategic defensive position, the island also took on the additional role of serving as a stockade for enlisted men. Uh, What year is this? Sorry. If if you had been listening. I was. There was just a lot of information. (laughs) 1859. Oh, right, right. 1859. That was a good year. Oh, Lord. The island took on the additional role of serving as a stockade for enlisted men. 
Recognizing that the cold water at 53 degrees Fahrenheit and the swift currents surrounding the island made it an ideal site for a prison, 11 of the soldiers who arrived with Captain Stewart were incarcerated in a cell block in the guardhouse basement. I'm Be- sorry, who's Captain Stewart? I'm totally kidding, I'm kidding, oh I'm kidding. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm kidding. If this wasn't my only laptop, I would flip this fucking table carry hopper. It just looks so irritated when I ask for the year. I don't blame him. I do it every episode. I don't understand. Like, okay. I'm totally kidding. Go on. Eleven of the soldiers who arrived <laughs> with Captain Stewart. <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> they were incarcerated in a cell block in the guest in the guardhouse basement. Before long, other forts with less secure garrisons began to send their deserters, escapees, and other prisoners to the island. In April 1861, Alcatraz took on another role, that of defending the Union State of California from Confederates when the Civil War War broke out. Okay, yeah. This is about where I know of the... I I had no idea of the earlier history, but this is about where uh, what I know starts. And this was really. And this is where I'm going to take over Archie's history portion. So here's what fucking happened. I got eight more pages, bitch. Okay, I don't. As California's population included both the Union and Confederate supporters, tensions ran high on the California coast, and the fort and its men were tasked with calming the threat of local war and protecting the city of San Francisco. Mm. Commanding the Department of the Pacific, Colonel Albert Sidney Johnston sent 10,000 muskets and 150,000 cartridges of ammunition to Fort Alcatraz, and the island became the most powerful fort west of the Mississippi River. Oh, shit. This new fortress soon deflated Confederate sympathizers' hopes that the San Francisco Bay could be taken and California brought into the Confederacy. Okay. Real quick question. How many people are aware that the Civil War reached this point? I had no clue. I had no clue. I Well, the West Coast. Oh. I had no clue either. No, it's not something that they talk about in <clears throat> history classes. Even Coy, when I would help him with his homework, it, it's not something that's it's always about just the first, like, the east half of the well, country. Well, the part you hear about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, until I researched this, I had no idea. I mean, I knew California was a right. part <laughs> of the country. I just didn't... Know how it... I didn't know how it had affiliated. With the Civil War. And honestly, I would have thought that they didn't affiliate. At all. Yeah. But no, they had affiliated mm-hmm. themselves with the Union. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was. I, that's when I was reading what Archie had said. I was like, "Holy shit!" Oh, I'm sorry. Leia oh, needs to fluff yeah. the couch so she can okay, get more comfortable. Well, I had to bring that up because I I didn't know it. No, I didn't either. Early to ask for to go out for a cigarette. Yes, <laughs> it oh. is. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> Although so. no one had ever attacked the rugged island during the Civil War. The military personnel on Alcatraz increased to over 350 men. 
On August 27, 1861, Alcatraz was officially designated as the military prison for the Department of the Pacific, which covered most of the territory west of the Rocky Mountains. I'm sorry, the what? <laughs> covered the most of the territory? Oh my god. What? He said moose. Words are hard. No, he did not. Yes, he did. No, he did not. I'm going to play the recording back, well, and Aaron hey, will text me in a minute about it. Get off it. your phone. He said moose. He said most. Okay. In April 1861, Alcatraz took on another role, that of defending the Union State of California from the Confederate... <laughs> I'm going to step out there and say that noon's a little early to start drinking margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> and she can't stop. He's in the Union State of California. The what? The Union State of California. <laughs> He's in the Union State of California. State of California. <laughs> I said the Union State of California. <laughs> I can't see. I can't breathe. Oh my God. Okay, we're back after a brief argument and then a, a tear fest about the Bush's baked beans dog dying. Not unless any of you know how it's doing behind the scenes, which is not well. All right, Archie, take us way back to the beginning. We're going to Alcatraz no, today. No. 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 Okay. no, 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 no. I'm still on page one. Oh, <laughs> tequila. Oh, we got wine. Oh, thank God. What do you think I'm drinking coffee? Like most prisons of the time, the conditions in the cell house were terrible, with men sleeping on the stone floors side by side, with no heat, running water, or sanitary facilities in the cells, sickness became common among the prisoners. I am shocked to my very core with this information. I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> as, as so many places we've reported on, mm -hmm. they become overrun quickly and conditions deteriorate just as quickly. Terrible, yeah. yeah. To, yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't talk about it on History of a Haunting. <laughs> <laughs> the, first, the first Confederate threat to California occurred in March 1863 when the Army learned that a group of Southern sympathizers planned to overtake San Francisco Bay. Their strategy was to arm a schooner, use it to capture a steamship, blockade the harbor, and attack the fort. However, when the schooner's captain bragged about the scheme while drinking in a tavern, <laughs> the news was quickly relayed to Union officials. How all best laid plans are <laughs> fucked. Tavern drinking in a I mean, it'll fuck time. every time. It'll on, fuck you every time. On the night the schooner was set to sail, the U.S. Navy seized the ship and arrested the crew. <laughs> During the Civil War, Alcatraz's role as a military prison increased. When the Confederates were arrested from the schooner, they joined the numerous other military prisoners and local civilians who had been arrested for treason. 
Soon the rooms in the guardhouse were filled, and a temporary wooden prison was built in 1863, just north of the guardhouse. Later, it was replaced with several adjoining structures called the Lower Prison. Oh my... Oh yeah, there's, God, there's I mean, more. Arch, I swear to God, like I think most people know the general history of Alcatraz, but you've kind of stumbled onto a goddamn gold mine. Oh, because I, this is thank a, you for Legends of America. Yeah, I don't think most people think no. of Alcatraz as going back that far. No, I, I really don't. As far as like Civil War, mm-hmm. military fort, I, I had no idea. You think of Alcatraz, they think of Al Capone and. Uh, the Birdman, yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he wasn't at Alcatraz in, in a movie. He was oh. in a movie, but still. <laughs> All right. Anyway, go on. All right. What else happened later? That guardhouse was replaced with several adjoining structures called the Lower Prison. Also built by jailhouse labor, the prisoners also constructed additional housing on the island. At this time, Indians, Native Americans, were often utilized by the cavalry as scouts, and those convicted of mutiny and or other crimes were sent to Alcatraz, housed side by side with some of the worst murderers, rapists, and criminals in the West. Other Native Americans who thwarted the U.S. government were also sent to The Rock, as it was called. Mm -hmm. The first Native American to be sent to Alcatraz was a man named... Paiute Tom, who was transferred from Count Mac- Camp McDermott in Nebraska on June 5, 1873. Two days later, he was shot and killed by a guard. The reason for the transfer and the killing has been lost to history. Really? Oh, wow. He's not the first. He's not oh, the first. No, and not I mean, the there's a long line of Native Americans that that is actually documented, so I'm not going to get on my Native American high horse and get pissed <laughs> about this because this is all legit shit. Later that same year, two Modoc Indians by the names of Barncho and Sloke, Sloluck? S-L-O-L-U-C-K? Sloluck? Sloluck were sent to Alcatraz. They were arrested for participating in the murder of members of a peace commission during the Modoc Wars of Northeastern California. They had been sentenced to hang along with four other Modoc Indians. Convicted at Fort Kalmath, Oregon, President Ulysses S. Grant spared the two because of their youth and sent them to Alcatraz. Wow, okay. Okay. While at Alcatraz, Barncho died of tuberculosis, but Sloluck was released in February 1878 and joined the remaining members of his tribe exiled in Indian Territory. Oh. Hmm. Other Native Americans accused of mutiny, Indian campaigns against the army, or escapees from other prisons were also sent to Alcatraz. One such prisoner, Chief Kayetna? Kayetna. K-A-E-T-E-N-A? Kayetna? Kayetna. He was a compatriot of Geronimo. He was sent to Alcatraz after battling against General George Crook's army. After having spent two years on the rock, he was released in March of 1886, at which time Crook wrote, His stay on Alcatraz has worked a complete reformation, reformation of his character. Mm. <laughs> they, they beat him down. Basically. That was kind of the hope, I think, 
the entire time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In January 1895, the largest number of American Indians were sent to Alcatraz from northern Arizona. Nineteen Hopi leaders who had been involved in land disputes with the government and refused to comply with mandatory government education programs for their children were severely punished by sending them to the Rock. A San Francisco, San Francisco newspaper of the time, The Call, stated the Hopi have been rudely snatched from the bosom of their families and our prisoners, dot, 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 until they have learned to appreciate the advantage of education. To that end, I say, go fuck yourself. Right. <laughs> Only after the Hopi had pledged to cease interference with the plans of the government for the civilization and education of its Indian wards were they released. During the Spanish-American War of 1898, thousands of troops passed through San Francisco on their way to or returning from the Philippines. Upon their return, many of the soldiers brought back tropical contagious diseases and San Francisco's hospitals filled. Many of these soldiers returned as prisoners, and Alcatraz's hospital was also packed with men who had contracted diseases, several of which had died of their illnesses. By the turn of the century, the prison's population had swelled to more than 400, and another prison complex was hastily built on the parade ground. Called the Upper Prison, it consisted of three wooden cell houses with two tiers each, surrounded by a stockade fence. Over the next several years, additional support buildings were added to the Upper Prison, and the Lower Prison was converted into workshops for prison labor. <clears throat> Both the Upper and Lower Prisons were fire traps, and in 1902, an oil lantern and oil lantern fire... <laughs> You said it right the first time, which is what I know. Okay. I know. An oil lantern fire almost destroyed the lower prison. In 1906, when the earthquake hit San Francisco, burning much of the city, officials evacuated 176 city prisoners to Alcatraz for nine days. Recognizing the fire hazards of Alcatraz, new concrete barracks were soon built by prison labor. Oh, shit, okay. I swear, I'm, I'm telling you what, Archie found the most in-depth amazing history on this. Ooh, wood burns. <laughs> I mean, did you know that? I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't know. We're bringing you the newest breaking news. Wood burns. <laughs> wood here, burns. You heard it very last, so here on History Wood Haunted. burns, fire hot. Fire bad, tree pretty. Okay. <laughs> New projects soon to began to accommodate the many material. Material. <laughs> wow. Okay, I need more. I need more of those margaritas. New projects soon began to accommodate the many military prisoners. <laughs> and shut your face. And during World War One, the prison housed German prisoners of war. The upper citadel was torn down, and a huge cell house was built over the citadel basement and moat. The new cell house, completed in 1912, was the largest reinforced concrete building in the world at the time, containing four cell blocks with a total of 600 cells, 
each with a toilet and electricity. Oh, wow, shit. Which is a hell of a lot nicer than most of the homes at the time. At the time. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. at the time. Should kill somebody. Go have electricity and a toilet. (laughs) No, we're not saying do that. (laughs) Mom, smack him. We're not condoning that. Hey, ow. Okay, good. In... In 1915, the island was renamed the Pacific Branch U.S. Disciplinary Barracks. Bright Barracks? Barracks. Oh, okay. No, I'm just bad at words. It's the tequila. But the air, the the hump shut off. Yeah, the AC shut off. A new (laughs) emphasis. Tequila. I don't understand. No? I'm having trouble speaking. Because so he I needs more alcohol. <laughs> no, um, probably because of the alcohol. No, no, I mean, no. Oh, oh okay. I mean, that yeah. helps us form words. In 1915, the island was renamed the Pacific Branch U.S. Disciplinary Barracks, and a new emphasis was put on education and rehabilitation. Those convicted men with less serious offenses soon began to attend military training, remedial education, and vocational training. The plan was so successful that many of the soldiers were restored to active duty after their sentences were served. Prisoners with more serious offenses were not given these opportunities and were dishonorably discharged from the army after having served their terms. Not surprising. Mm. I mean... Right. (laughs) You killed a half a dozen people, you probably... Yeah. (laughs) We don't want you. Uncle Sam does not want you. (laughs) (laughs) As a disciplinary barracks, Alcatraz was a minimum security prison, and most prisoners were locked in their cells only at night. During the day, they (sighs) spent their time in classes or work activities. Well, don't go swimming in the bay. (laughs) Throughout these years, several inmates tried to escape the island by boarding boats heading to the mainland, swimming or clinging to wooden objects. Driftwood was used for escape attempts in 1912, 1916, 1927, and a ladder was used during an escape attempt in 1929. Most of those who attempted escape through the water never made it to shore. Oh, yeah, I know. Of those who tried, some were rescued and returned to the island, but others drowned. Mm. The most success- successful... Wow, I need another margarita. You do. Words the most home. successful escape was on November 28, 1918, when four prisoners managed to escape with rafts. Yes. The authorities assumed they had drowned in San Francisco Bay, but they later appeared in Sutra Forest. Only one of them was recaptured. Now, Sutro Forest was in Brazil, right? Oh, God, no. I hope I didn't delete that. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Moving right along. Moving right along. Okay. As a military prison, there were at least 80 men who attempted to escape in 29 separate attempts. Of those, 62 were captured and returned to the prison. One may have drowned, and the fate of 17 others was unknown. They probably drowned. <laughs> they probably did drown, yeah. By 1933, the army decided that the island was too expensive to operate. Its location was the biggest problem, with the high costs of importing water, food, and supplies. 
at this time, the gangster era was in full swing, brought on by the desperate need of the Great Depression combined with prohibition. Mm-mm-mm. I find that a good time to take a cocktail drink. Cheers, Clink! Cheers, Clink! Prohibition. Prohibition. Alcatraz was the ideal solution to the problem, and J. Edgar Hoover jumped on the opportunity to create a super prison (laughs) that would instill fear in the minds of would-be criminals, offered no means of escape, and a place where inmates could be safely controlled. Okay. Negotiations soon began, and Alcatraz was transferred to the Bureau of Prisons in October of 1933. Goddamn, again, we're just up to 1933? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a long history. There's this a long history. I feel like we're, it's reminiscent of what's the last episode where I was... when did it was... close? Huh? When did it close? 63. By the early part of 1934, 80 years of U.S. Army occupation ended. Beginning on January 1st, 1934, much to the chagrin of the people of San Francisco, the Bureau of Prisons began the process of selecting a warden and upgrading Alcatraz to an escape-proof prison, maximum security prison. Four guard towers were constructed at strategic points around the island, and 336 of the cells were reconstructed with tool-proof steel cell fronts and locking devices operated from control boxes. Okay, now, tool-proof? Tool-proof. Cell uh, bars. Steel. Ain't no shiv gonna cut through this. Basically. Basically. Yeah. Wow, okay, and then four strategically placed guard towers? Mm Mm-hmm, all around the island. God damn, they were not fucking around. They were not fucking around. They were not fucking around. Each and every window in the prison building was also equipped with tool-proof steel window guards, and two gun galleries were erected in the cell block that allowed guards, armed with machine guns, to oversee all inmate activities. Uh Uh-huh. The mess hall and main entrance were equipped with built-in tear gas canisters, and in the ceiling, that could be remotely activated from both the gun gallery and the outside observation points. In addition, the barracks buildings were altered to provide comfortable quarters for the prison guards and their families. <laughs> for the guards and their families. families. Yeah. And their families. Oh, the guards. Yeah. The guards and their families. Yeah, but, this... I mean, at the same... But it, your shock is genuine, because why... Why would you bring your families there? Like, honey, oh, I love you. Thank you so much for providing. We're going to stay fucking here, and you go over there. Mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. The kids and I will stay here. Yeah. Right. And you just mosey on. You know, do your thing, but send the checks. Right. The living facilities included four wood frame houses, one duplex, and three apartment buildings. A large house adjacent to the cell house was designated for the warden, while the duplex was assigned assigned to the captain and associate warden. And they did actually live there with their families. With their families. Why would you do that? I mean, I guess back in the day, like that, it wasn't even a question if you would be there or not with your husband. But that's important to note because, in in my part, I, there's some activity that lends to well yeah 
those questions as far mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. women's spirits. Yeah. So, okay, cool. That's good to know. Appointed as the first warden, James A. Johnston came with a reputation for strict ideals and a humanistic approach to reform. However, he was also known to be a strict disciplinarian, and his rules of conduct were among the most rigid in California. What, what is a, a humanistic? Believing people can be reformed. Oh, okay. And, and giving people basic human rights. Okay. Giving them rights and giving them uh, an ethic. I, I, you can't give people an ethic, you, but you can give them work... I mean, you can An give them... An opportunity to be, I guess, a benefit to even a prison society. Mm-hmm. Okay. They can be helpful. I've, they I've, can, yeah. They can read, they can educate themselves, become electricians mm-hmm. or plumbers yeah. or yeah. that. He is um, referenced in the movie Escape from Alcatraz as being one of the weaker wardens it had. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. And with what I read, he was... Uh-huh. He was... He was dick. Huh. Yep. Which, they, to be honest, they earned. Yeah. Many, many people thought he was weak. Mm-hmm. But to the prisoners... He was human. He was not. Mm-hmm. He, he... So that lets you know how any of the, the following wardens were. Yeah. Believing in a system of rewards and quantica... Quonsequences. Wow. Wow. Okay. Quonsequences. Believing in a system of Please make a fucking note of that. Believing in a system of rewards and consequences. There we go. Johnston established the guiding. Oh, shut the fuck up. This is a good boy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Johnston established the guiding principles under which the prison would operate. He and his hand-picked correctional officers then enforced the guidelines by rewarding inmates with privileges or sentence reductions for hard work. Hard work. Hard work. Shut up. <laughs> Working penub in all the <laughs> And harshly punishing inmates who defied regulations. <laughs> Oh my god, Carrie. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're such an obvious transition. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that shade right of on. red works well for you. <laughs> <gasps> I still have six pages. <laughs> Don't shut up. Oh god, you're kidding. He's <laughs> kidding. Oh. I'm not kidding. He's kidding. One of the regulations that were enacted for the prison was that no prisoner would be directly sentenced to Alcatraz from the courts. One of the regulations that were enacted for the prison was that no prisoner would be directly sentenced to Alcatraz from the courts. Instead, they earned their transfer to the island from other prisons by attempting to escape, exhibiting unmanageable behavior, or those that had been receiving special privileges. Oh, yes, yes. So this was like the prison for prisoners. Yes, it was. Okay. Therefore, Alcatraz became home to the worst of the worst criminal elements in the nation. And this was like what time frame? 30s? Oh, fuck. It's up, a no- it's up my notes. Don't 
don't go up your notes. Just 1934. Get, there we go. 30. 30. 1930. Inmates in this first group of men had committed such crimes as robbery, assault, rape, and desertion. The next month, 69 more prisoners arrived from the McNeil Island and Atlanta penitentiaries, the most famous of which was inmate number 85, Al Capone. I mean, wasn't he every prison's fucking most famous? I, I guess so. Oh, I suppose he would be. Warden Johnston began a custom of meeting the new inmates upon their arrival of two Alcatraz. When Capone arrived, Johnston immediately recognized the grinning man who was quietly making smug comments to nearby inmates. When it was Capone's turn to approach the warden, he attempted to flaunt the power he had enjoyed at the Federal Pen in Atlanta by asking questions of the warden on the inmates' behalf. Oh, shit. Yeah, he had balls. While in Atlanta, he had been successful in bribing the guards for additional favors such as unlimited visiting privileges, liquor, and uncensored reading materials. Okay, let's remember the cell he had at fucking Eastern State Penitentiary. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dude, this guy. That stopped here. Yes, the buck stopped. The carpet stops here. Actually, it doesn't. Go on. Sorry. However, Johnston was not to be manipulated and immediately assigned him his prison number and ordered him back in line with the others. Oh, Yeah. Fuck you and the horse you thought you rode in on. Capone's (laughs) arrival at Alcatraz generated more newspaper headlines than the opening of the prison itself. Oh, fuck. Beginning an era of public fascination with the maximum security prison. Ah, fuck. Oh, my God. During Capone's sentence on The Rock, he would make several other attempts to con Johnston into allowing him special privileges. But all would be denied. Really? Eventually, he began to suffer symptoms of syphilis that he could contracted years earlier and spent more time in the hospital than he did in the cell house. Yeah. In 1938, he was transferred to Terminal Island Prison in Southern California to serve out the remainder of his sentence. He was released in November of 1939. And I believe from there he spent out the re- he lived out the rest of his life at his home in Florida. Mhm. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Alcatraz was pretty much the end of the road for Al Capone, uh, criminally and <coughs> mentally, every other, phys- every other way. Yeah. <laughs> also housed was George Machine Gun Kelly. Oh God, dude, this guy. First involved in bootlegging, he was sentenced to Leavenworth, where he spent three years. Obviously not rehabilitated, he resumed a life of crime, (laughs) this time robbing banks. He soon advanced to kidnapping, and in 1933, he held for ransom a wealthy Oklahoma oil magnate. After his capture, he was given a life sentence and returned to Leavenworth. However, within months, he was transferred to Alcatraz, where he was said to have been a model prisoner for the next 17 years. When Kelly suffered a mild heart attack, he was returned to Leavenworth in 1951 and was paroled in 1954. 
Within months, he suffered another heart attack and died at the age of 59. Oh my god. That's pretty young. Oh. Public Enemy Robert number Stroud. one, Doc Barger, was arrested in January 1935 and also sent to Alcatraz from Leavenworth. He was killed in an escape from Alcatraz in 1939. Robert Stroud, known as the Birdman of Alcatraz, received... Received. 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 Robert Stroud, known as the Birdman of Alcatraz, received very little notoriety until he gained attention in the 1962 movie The Birdman of Alcatraz. Stroud, who was convicted of manslaughter in 1909, wow. was initially sent to McNeil Island to serve a 12-year sentence. While there, he was difficult to manage, and after attacking, after attacking an orderly, he was sent to Leavenworth. After less than four years at the Kansas prison, he killed a guard and was later sentenced to hang. After his mother appealed to President Wilson, the sentence was commuted to life. It was during Stroud's 30 years as a prisoner at Leavenworth that he began to study birds, which gained him international attention. When Stroud began to openly violate prison rules to continue his birding experiments and communications with bird breeders, he was sent to Alcatraz in 1942, where he was never again permitted to continue his avian studies. Okay, so I have a question. Um, I heard on a, a podcast that he actually got a PhD in ornithology, but I... In any of my research, I couldn't find that that was accurate. Did you find... I didn't find anything... About a PhD, just that he was... But it's entirely likely... Okay. ...that he could have. Okay. Okay, a PhD, that requires a lot of education. Oh, for sure, yeah, And a lot of time stuck in one place with nothing else to do. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I didn't ever find anything that said definitively that he actually got a PhD in ornithology. Um, Fun fact, tens of people are killed by birds every year. What? According to Shelley Cooper, I mean... The Birdman (laughs) occupied a cell in D-Block for approximately six years before he was moved to the prison hospital in 1948 for the purpose of segregating him from the rest of the population. After he genuinely became ill, he was transferred to a federal medical facility in Springfield, Missouri in 1959. Four years later, Stroud died. Oh, okay. He's so he's the one from when we were talking earlier. As a part of what did he die from? Uh, old age, natural causes. I mean, it wasn't anything like old age. How old was he? Eighty uh, something. Old, old enough. Old age. <laughs> I mean, it was the age was old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first on history. <laughs> As a part of its maximum security efforts, the ratio of guards to prisoners was 1 to 3, compared to other prisons where it was 1 to 12. Oh, shit! In addition, inmates were allowed no visitors for the first three months, and afterward were only allowed one visitor per month, a privilege that had to be earned. While prisoners were allowed limited access to the prison library, No newspapers, unapproved books, or radios were allowed. 
all incoming and outgoing mail was screened, censored, and retyped. Oh, whoa, really? Mm. Consideration for work assignments was based on a prisoner's conduct record. Each prisoner was assigned a private cell with only the basic minimum necessities such as food, water, and clothing. The routine was the same every day, with prisoners awakened at 6.30 a.m., given time to tidy their cells and wash up, then marched silently to the mess hall. Following breakfast, the prisoners were then given their work assignments for the day, and after dinner were again locked within their cells. The strict rules required inmate counts every half hour. Oh my god. However, the worst rule was Warden Johnston's strictly enforced silence policy. Many of the inmates considered this to be their most unbearable punishment. Prisoners were only allowed to talk during meals in the yard on Saturdays and for three minutes during a morning and afternoon break. Though the silence policy was later relaxed, there were several several reports <laughs> shut up that inmates were driven insane by the severe rule of silence. I mean, that's I, yeah. Oh yeah, that'd kill you. Oh, I was kidding. <laughs> oh my god, Carrie could never survive that. Oh my god, go fuck yourself. <laughs> wow. Okay, but you're not wrong. <laughs> Many stories, including the classic movie Escape from Alcatraz, tell of an inmate by the name of Ruth Percival, a former gangster and bank robber, oh god, who went story. so far as to take a hatchet and jump chop off the fingers of his hands while working in one of the shops. Though a strict rule, no doubt, did drive men insane, Percival actually lost his fingers when a shop door blew shut on his hand. Yeah, that's... that's, None of that's cool. I mean, okay, so the story that I've heard is that he was psycho. And he chopped, he got a, a butcher knife from the kitchen, and he chopped off the, all of his fingers on his left hand. He slammed the knife down on the table, and then asked the guard to cut off the fingers on his other hand, because obviously he was now a fucking bloody stump, and couldn't do it. This is not any fucking better. Just yeah. FYI, the Birdman of Alcatraz was 73 when he died. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And You're welcome. Thank you for your research. Yes, and and for proving that the live studio audience is hanging on every word that has. <laughs> the uh, the only redeeming qualities of the prison were the private cells and quality of food served at the prison. Oh wait, what? The, these two had their reasons. The first was to further isolate these hardened criminals, while the second was to prevent riots that were often known to start in other prisons because of poor food quality. Mm-hmm. From a total of 1,545 prisoners that spent time at the federal prison, 36 men attempted to escape in 14 separate attempts. Jesus. Of those, 20 were captured, 7 were shot and killed, 2 drowned, and 5 were never found, assumed by prison authorities to have drowned. Have you seen the the water around Alcatraz? 
sharks and choppy water and it's, it's, it's cold. It's, I mean, it's dirty water. Yeah. It, uh, Theodore Cole and Ralph Rowe were the first to disappear from Alcatraz on December 16, 1937. While working in one of the workshops Cole and Rowe had, over a period, filed their way through the flat iron bars on a window. After climbing through the window, they made their way to the water's edge and disappeared into San Francisco Bay. Prison authorities declared them to have drowned, but four years later it was reported that the men were alive and well in South America. Yes! The now, who's that? The Theodore Cole and Ralph Rowe. They were the first reported to disappear. Without being found. I thought it was the two brothers. That's another escape attempt. That were found in Brazil. Yeah, that's another escape attempt. There's multiple ones. Why did they all go to Brazil? I don't think they Why all not? went. <laughs> <laughs> There's something going on in Brazil. It's a long Rio way to go. Rio de Janeiro. Oh, sorry. The bloodiest escaped attempt occurred over a three-day period on May 2nd through 4th of 1946. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. We are recording this episode on May 2nd, which, by the way, is the 74th. Archie just took a big sip of his margarita. So sorry. (laughs) Which, we are recording this episode on May 2nd. It's not being actually released until next Saturday, but... It is the 74th anniversary of what Archie's about to talk about. The bloodiest escape attempt occurred... Happy anniversary! (laughs) (laughs) It occurred over the three-day period of May 2nd through May 4th, 1946. In this incident, known as the Battle of Alcatraz, six men by the name of Bernard Coy... Joseph Kretzer, Sam Shockley, Clarence Carnes, Marvin Hubbard, and Mirren Thompson took control of the cell house, overpowering officers and gaining access to weapons and keys. They planned to escape through the recreation yard door. However, when they found that they didn't have the key to the outside door, Mm -hmm. they decided to fight rather than giving up. Oh, Jesus. During the next couple of days, the prisoners killed two of the guards they have had taken hostage. Eventually, Shockley, Thompson, and Carnes returned to their cells, but Coy, Kretzer, and Hubbard continued to fight. Uh Uh-huh. The U.S. Marines were eventually called out to assist, and the escape attempt ended. In the melee, Coy, Kretzer, and Hubbard were killed, and 17 guards and one prisoner were wounded. Shockley, Thompson, and Carnes later stood trial for the death of the officers. Shockley and Thompson received the death penalty and were executed in the gas chamber at San Quentin in December 1948. Carnes, just 19 years old at the time, received a second life sentence. On July 11, 1962, Clarence Anglin, his brother John, and Frank Morris also disappeared from Alcatraz. Their escape was made famous by Clint Eastwood's movie, Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah. During the last, the last escape from Alcatraz on December 12, 1962, 
John Sculpt, John Paul Scott, 35 years old, swam from the island to Fort Point under the southern part of the Golden Gate Bridge, proving that it could be done. Along with another prisoner named Darl Parker, the pair bent the bars of a kitchen window in the cell house basement and escaped. After being found and treated for shock and hypothermia, Scott was returned to Alcatraz. <laughs> I'm sorry. Attorney General Robert Kennedy officially closed the doors of Alcatraz on March 21, 1963, when the final 27 inmates were taken off the island. It was the first time that reporters were ever allowed on The Rock to cover its closing, which made headlines across the country. Afterward, Alcatraz Island was transferred to the General Services Administration in May of 1963. During its 29 years of its operation as a federal prison, the island confined more than 1,500 men under intolerable rules and deprivation. Formal, former prisoners continue to tell tales of the inside, mm-hmm. with numerous scenes that were seemingly so terrible that many of the prisoners preferred death to continued incarceration. Yeah. From 1963 to 1969, the island remained abandoned, except for a short Native American occupation in 1964. Lasting for only four hours, the symbolic occupation was led by Richard Mackenzie with four other Sioux Indians who demanded the use of the island for Native American Cultural Center and Indians University. Um. That's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. Go on. In 1969, Alcatraz Island again made natural national news when another group. (laughs) Shut up! Words are hard. I can't. I can't. It's too much tequila. It's way too much tequila. In 1969, Alcatraz Island again made national news when another group of Native Americans claimed the island as Indian land. On November 9, 1969, Richard Oakes, a Mohawk Indian and group of supporters, set out on a chartered boat to symbolically claim Alcatraz Island for the Native Americans. The demands of the occupation were almost identical to those made in 1964 by the Sioux who had claimed the land. Just a little more than ten days later, later... Just a little more than 10 days later, on November 20th, the symbolic occupation turned into a full-scale occupation that would last for the next 19 months. The initial occupation, planned by Richard Oakes, included a group of Indian students, as well as urban Indians from the Bay Area. Since so many different tribes were represented by the Native Americans, the name Indians of All Tribes was adopted for the group. I'm sorry, the name what? Indians, Indians of, all of all tribes. The name Thank you, Indians of all tribes. They did. They took it on. The federal government initially insisted that the Indians leave the island and placed an ineffective barricade around it. However, the government eventually agreed to hear their demands, and the group realized that a prolonged occupation was possible. 
Oaks soon recruited 80 more Indian students from UCLA, and the group of occupants reached some 100 Native Americans. In no time, the occupants began to organize with Chief Oaks as the unofficial mayor of Alcatraz, electing a council and providing for security, sanitation, daycare, school, and housing. Their negotiations demanded the deed to the island and establishment of an Indian university, cultural center, and museum. Though initially, the government negotiators insisted that the occupiers could have none of these and insisted that the Indians leave the island, the government soon adopted a position of non-interference. This position was taken largely (laughs) in due... Shut your face. I literally can't! I know you can't. (laughs) This position was taken largely due to the strong public support of the Native Americans and their demands. Advocates from show business celebrities to the Hell's Angels supported oh, the fuck. Indian. Yeah, they supported the Indian occupation, and federal officials began to meet with Native Americans. While it appeared to the Indian occupants that their demands might be met, the government was in fact playing a waiting game, hoping that public support would wane, and the Indians would voluntarily end the occupation. Wow, okay. Less than two months... We're a stubborn folk, so... Let me see how this goes. Less than two months after the initial occupation, the Indian group began to fall into disarray, with two groups rising in opposition to Richard Oaks. In the meantime, many of the Indian students returned to school in January of 1970. During this time, many non-Indians also began to take up residence on the island, including the homeless and many from oh, the shit, San really? Francisco hippie and drug culture. Yeah, uh, this is where it goes south. White people get involved. This is where it goes south? <laughs> Organization fell apart when Richard Oak's 13-year-old stepdaughter fell three, four floors down a stairwell to her death. Following her death, Oaks left the island, leaving it without a leaving it without a strong leader. The two competing groups then began to maneuver back and forth for leadership. The Indians also found themselves faced with the same problems that had hindered both the military and prison administrations: the lack of natural resources and the requirement that all supplies, food, and water be figured in by boat. Oh, okay. My house would they get there? Yeah. Despite the the prohibition of drugs and alcohol by the Indians, the contraband flooded into the island by the many non-Native Americans who were there. Without strong leadership, the situation became unmanageable and the community fell apart. Daily reports from the government caretaker on the island, as well as complaints from the remaining original occupants, described the open use of drugs, destruction of property, and the general disarray of leadership. Without God damn. Yeah. I with, mean... Without the equalitarian form of government that was supposed to prevail, there was no one with whom the government could ne- negotiate. Right. In response, the government, 
to evacuate the island shut off all electrical power and removed the water barge, which provided fresh water to those occupying the island. Three days after the removal of the water barge on June 1st, 1970, a fire was accidentally started and raged through several of the buildings. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 When the blaze finally died out, the warden's home, the lightkeeper's residence, and the officer's club were burned to the ground. Also oh. severely damaged was the historic lighthouse built in 1854. Fuck. The Native Americans were forced to resort to drastic measures in order to survive, and began to strip copper wiring and tubing from the buildings to sell as scrap metal. Uh. Three of the occupiers were arrested and found guilty of selling some 600 pounds of copper. Jesus, okay. This story, along with the other news of the events taking place on the island, began to be told in the press. Before long, little, Uh. little support could be found for the Indians' occupation. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of hard to defend. Yeah. In January of 1971, when two oil tankers collided in the San Francisco Bay, it pushed the federal government into action. Though no blame was held against the occupiers of the island, a removal plan began to be developed. Designed to take place with as little force as possible, and at a time that the smallest number of people were on the island, the forced removal took place on June 10th, 1971. Okay. On that date, the occupation ended when 20 armed federal marshals, assisted by the Coast Guard, swarmed the island, removing five women, four children, and six unarmed Indian men. What's important here, though the specific demands for the island itself were not realized, the initial underlying goals of the first occupants were to awaken the American public to the reality of the Native American plight. As a result, the official government policy of termination of Indian tribes was ended and a new policy of Indian self-determination was recognized. (sighs) The occupation also resulted in the return of Blue Lake and some 48,000 acres of land to the Taos, Taos, Taos. Taos Indians, a Native American university near Davis, California, and hiring of Native Americans to the Bureau of Indian Affairs in Washington, D.C. Oh, fuck. So, while we may have not heard about any of this... Yeah, yeah. It had results. I mean... uh, Yeah. I mean drastic measures for meager response, but... Well, yeah, I mean... It, it was it was long overdue. It needed to happen. It did, and, and unfortunately a lot of um, Native American rights and things like that it, it, it 
they were happened because yeah these things drastic measures like like you said I mean the occupation was the longest of any federal facility by Native Americans to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On October 12, 1972, Congress created God the... Goddamn, we're only in 1972! <laughs> Congress created the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, and the island became part of the National Park Service. Yes. After some slight modifications to the facility to make it safe for the public, the park opened in the fall of 1973. Since that time, it has become one of the most popular of the park service sites, with more than a million visitors every year. Yeah. As, as one looks east towards the San Francisco Bay, it is easy to imagine the island as the location of a luxurious resort. But as visitors... Uh, sort of, I mean... But as I, visitors continue their tour, the reality of the cell house, solitary confinement cells, and the pitch-black hole quickly brings back the reality of the island and its past. Many former inmates of the prison that are still alive today find it extremely hard to grasp mm-hmm. the idea of why so many people would want to visit a place <laughs> that represented yeah. to them only anguish and despair. To them, the term recreation area is an oxymoron in the extreme. Uh, <laughs> fuck! Archie, that was a powerful end to an amazing, amazing and once again, Part. I have to give credit to legendsofamerica.com. Someone, I mean... Someone employed by them wrote that, and I was blown away to read it. God, I mean, the, you, the way you delivered it was absolutely amazing. Um, I, that was a very powerful end, and the way that you gave it was really amazing, so... Thank yes, you. thank you so much to Legends of America, but yeah, Archie, really. That uh, was... Whew, I read stuff. The Archie touch. That was, <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for listening to the Archie Bass Show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Carrie, yeah. tell, us, tell us about what... I mean, there's only like one or two ghosts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you have a lot of history, but like maybe there's one or two things I need to talk about. Uh, <laughs> so, um... For real? Mm, no, not for <laughs> real. No, not for real. Sorry. Uh, it was a brutal place. It was a brutal... It has a brutal history. Uh, it, the Native Americans weren't super fucking down with this joint. Uh, to the point that they sent their worst of the worst to this island. Uh, or she's taking a drink. I mean, he felt the need to point Sorry. it out when I did. <laughs> well, that's only fair. I mean, eye for an eye. Uh, yeah, so the, the Native Americans, they weren't there initially to just inhabit and try to like build a life. They sent their worst of the worst there. So. Indeed. Yeah, it was um, uh, not cool from the, 
the jump, basically. From the get-go. From the get-go, it was sort of a, a hot mess of, of garbage and yuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Archie's gone into a lot of detail about all the garbage and yuck. And uh, when we come back, I, we will be right back. But when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about the resulting end of all Archie's garbage and yuck. <laughs> <laughs> we will be right back, folks. Just one moment. Just hang on. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we are back with the haunting portion. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for hanging out, getting that big-ass bottle of wine, and really, like, settling in. Because... <laughs> no. It's a it's a big episode. It's a big episode. We knew that it would be, and uh, yeah. So let's get into it. Um, so for my portion, Arch, I got most of my no, not most, all of my information from Wikipedia, Wild SF Tours, Amy's Crypt, Live About Found SF legendsofamerica.org, history101, ranker, youtube.com, and npa.gov dash alca. Wow. Yeah. Lots of, uh, lots of different, um, (laughs) sites. As I, as I generally do, I, I typically tend to go down a big fat rabbit hole uh, to get some of the most amazing um, haunting episodes or uh, uh, haunting experiences uh, in all of our episodes. So, let's start with um, what some of the top newspapers in the country have said about Alcatraz. Now, the Los Angeles Times describes Alcatraz as, quote, The most notorious federal penitentiary this country has ever known. Its history runs far and deep, as Archie discussed. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) As do the stories, rumors, and the legends, and cited it as one of the five major haunted spots in California. Now, additionally, the Washington Post has also claimed that Alcatraz is a place where, quote, is a place, quote, where visitors can sense the dread of past inhabitants still trapped in the atmosphere. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that one that one kind of got me. I was mm. like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eesh. Well, yeah. what else would you have but dread if you were at Alcatraz? I mean... That's a fair point. That's a fair point. They might have buried the lead on that one. A little bit. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Additionally, the New York Magazine has said that although the penitentiary hasn't been operational since 1963, it, quote, remains ultra-sinister, perversely fascinating, and iconic. Um, A documentary called Haunted Alcatraz, which was broadcast on the Travel Channel, has said, quote, there is little question that Alcatraz holds a particular place in our collective imagination, consistently evoking feeling stirring and dark, and that the power of the island still captivates visitors after departure. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Creepy. 
For sure. For sure creepy. Um, a couple of the things that uh, happened to the inmates while they were uh, imprisoned on the island, uh, and Archie did touch on a bunch of these, but um, inmates who broke the one... Okay, let me start over. I have had a lot of tequila. <laughs> If I can speak English, God be with me. <laughs> Let's try this again. Inmates who broke one of the prison's many rules, boom. All right. There we go. Would be punished by being sent to what it was known as the strip cell. Before entering the strip cell, prisoners were stripped naked. The cell had no mattress, no sink, no lights, and of course... No toilets. Of course. Of course. Uh, the only toilet was a hole in the ground that was only cleaned once a week. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I believe a similar situation at Old Idaho Penitentiary called oh, it the probably. Honey Pot. Probably. Yeah. Um, no. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the dark still room uh, removed what was left of hope and humanity in the criminals who earned a stay there. Uh, as far as the hauntings, according to writers such as E. Floyd, quote, almost every guard and official who served there until it was shut down by Attorney General Robert Kennedy in the early 1960s experienced something out of the ordinary. Now, Mom, did you know that it was RFK that shut down Alcatraz no. in the end? Okay. The writer E.L. E. not E.L. E. Floyd. Sorry. Tequila. (laughs) (laughs) Tequila. Okay. Uh, E. Floyd goes on to say that um, the said park rangers occasionally still reveal, quote, shocking supernatural secrets. Apparently, during its time as a penitentiary, both inmates and guards would report a wide range of purported ghostly activity in the prison. It is also repeatedly haunted by the ghosts of Native American prisoners and officials who perished on the island during the American Civil War and while it was a military prison. Mm. But, okay. Now, prisoners, many of whom were actually declared insane after after serving time at Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Uh, reported peculiar whispering sounds in the middle of the night, floating blue lights and figures, moaning, and the clanking of chains in cells which were known to be unoccupied. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, guards initially laughed at the claims of ghosts by inmates because, you know, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, but as time progressed... Some of these guards were reported to have experienced unusual activity themselves, including feeling cold spots, unseen fingers on the backs of their necks, and hearing crying in the middle of the night. Oh. Yeah. Don't touch me. (laughs) I think I made it abundantly clear. I'm down for you. I'm here for you. I have a podcast all fucking about you. Just don't touch my neck. Just don't touch me. Don't touch my toes. Don't watch me sleep. Don't fucking touch me. Otherwise, I'm here for you. (laughs) It's disgusting. Snort, laugh, that counts. Oh, Christ. 
It does. Bingo. It it counts. (laughs) Um... Occupants of the prison also reported seeing prisoners from early military prison. The early military. The early military prison. <laughs> in the 19th, in 19th century garb, walking the corridors in a block, which would disappear when approached by the current guards, and one member of staff repeatedly. I'm sorry, Tater, did you have something to say? No, I think he was just complaining, in general. Oh, there it is. And one member of the staff repeatedly saw a gang of Native American prisoners marching around in a circle before vanishing. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure that probably happened. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like, you were talking about how the Hopi were taken there. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I... I get it. I see it. I believe it. Now, the warden's house, which is currently a burnt-out shell since the occupation of Alcatraz... Sorry, hit the mic. I gesture when I talk. Uh, (laughs) This is also reputed to be haunted. During the time of the penitentiary, several guards reported seeing the specter of a man with... Coy would love this. Mutton-chop sideburns. (laughs) During a party, wearing a gray suit and a brimmed cap, leaving the room icy cold after having extinguished the fire in the Ben Franklin stove. Mm. Yeah. Um, Now, there's also, you mentioned, um, Archie, the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. So, the lighthouse no longer stands on Alcatraz Island, but a phantom lighthouse has also been said to have emerged from the fog around the San Francisco Bay. Oh, wow. What? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Uh, Many believe that the Native American souls still roam the grounds. The lighthouse on Alcatraz Islands has a similar story, as the original lighthouse was built in 1854. It was replaced in the early 1900s, but according to reports, on foggy nights the old tower will appear as a shrill whistle as will appear and a shrill whistle sounds accompanied by a green light that flashes slowly around the entire island. Once it circles the island, it disappears just as quickly as it was formed. Whoa. I really want us to go to San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, I was there. How old was I when you and I went there, Mom? Like, I was like five. five. Once this pandemic lifts, I think San Francisco needs to be the first place we go. And Alcatraz needs to be the first place we go. Wow. Right? I mean... So, I watched a number of videos. I read a number of articles that um, talked about a former inmate by the name of Leon Whitey Thompson. Did you come across him in your portion? No. Okay. So he was a former inmate, and um, in his later years, after he had been released from Alcatraz, he did work as a guide at Alcatraz. What? Okay. uh, Yeah, for many years. Um, And he actually later visited it regularly before his death in 2005. Now, he did believe that Alcatraz Island is haunted and has stated that he, quote, he could feel it, end quote, while he was incarcerated there. 
He later um, said that he believed the prison to be damned and often had the sense of being watched by spirits. So he went on after his um, incarceration at Alcatraz and his later life to write a book, do book tours, and also be like a guide at Alcatraz. Okay. Yeah, which I... Don't you think if we were to go there and, like, be given an actual tour by a former inmate, that might be way fucking cooler than anything we've ever done? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, during his time in the prison, Thompson um, was apparently friendly with an inmate named Johnny House, which he called a big Texan. (laughs) Okay. Uh, He last saw him on October 25th, 1962, when he was, um, when he left Alcatraz, and he knew he'd never see House again. So he had walked by House's cell, and he said, hey, basically, hey, I'm getting out. It was good to meet you. It was good to know you. He shook hands with House, and he walked on as they escorted him out because he was being released. He had been paroled. Um, He did say in the one interview that I saw that he waited until he got a significant way down from Johnny House's cell after they said goodbye because he had tears in his eyes. I guess they had been that good of friends. Oh. Yeah. So it actually kind of um, was sad for him to, to leave his friend behind. But he also said that one day in the 1980s, when he was alone in the cell house waiting for visitors arrive for a tour that he was about to give... He claimed to have seen a large, dark figure at the end of Michigan Avenue Corridor. Now, I guess they all, um, they named the various corridors and hallways and things like that after famous streets in the country. This particular corridor was called Michigan Avenue. Okay. Now, he said that he saw the apparition walk around the corner and out of sight. Thompson rushed to the end of the corridor, chasing this shadow figure, and nobody was there. Oh, He believed the ghost to be that of Johnny House by the way that it walked and the feeling which the figure gave off. Afterwards, Leon Whitey Thompson said, quote, I don't care what anybody says. That was Johnny House. So maybe this particular shadow person, shadow figure, whatever, was coming to say one last final goodbye to his friend. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's possible. It's possible. How did Johnny House die? Did he die in the prison? It it didn't say. Oh. I mean, the interview that I watched with this, Leon Whitey Thompson didn't say. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about cell 14D. 14D? Yeah. It is uh, reputed to be the most haunted in the prison. Cell 14D is one of the cells that prisoners were sent to as punishment. Visitors often report quote, feeling raw coldness enveloping the room. Like, more than one spirit is still present there. Oh. Mm, yeah, not a good time. Uh, and cell 14D is permanently cold. Okay. Reported to be on average 20 to, 20 to 30 degrees less than the surrounding area. Oh, my. Huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty chilly. It is. And, um... It, I think it's safe to say that we're all going to go. <laughs> Not me. I mean, obviously she's going. I'm from San Francisco. I'm not going to Alcatraz. So, 
One of the most famous stories, and Archie, I would actually kind of be surprised if you did not come across this in your history portion, because I know you mm. whittled that down mm. considerably. Mm. Mm-hmm. But in the 1940s, a man actually died in cell 14D, which is cell 14 in D block, so... Hence 14D. There, there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> kind of obvious. Okay. Um, the guards found him strangled on the floor of his room, uh, having ignored his near-constant hours-long screams, thinking he was having just a, quote, psychotic episode. Because, I mean... Oh, God. Didn't they all? Didn't they all? Didn't they all? Yeah. Well. I mean, well. Not all. Mm. No, not... Most folks knew what the fuck they were doing. (laughs) This particular individual, however... Um, was sent to 14D, and the night before his death, uh, as the guards heard, he kept screaming. However, he was screaming that a creature with glowing red eyes was trying to kill him. The creature is known as the Thing. Because he's... Oh. This prisoner is not the only one that's seen this thing. Wow. Did you come across this in your... No. 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 Really? Okay. I did not. Mm. Holy shit. Yeah, it's it gets crazier. Uh, so an autopsy on the dead inmate found evidence of strangulation. However, that it was not possible that it was self-inflicted. They also noted strange marks on his body. Oh. Shit. Did they do autopsies on these people? Or? Yeah, yeah. So the autopsy found that he had been strangled, but it was not self-inflicted. And that there were additional strange marks on his body. Wow. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, However, the next day after the prisoner died, which I think this part is really... <laughs> I, I gotta laugh. Because oh, no. fuck these guards. So, the next day, when doing head counts, the guards counted one too many prisoners. Some of the guards claimed to see the dead convict in line with the other inmates where he normally was. Mm. But only for a second before he vanished, so their count was always off by one. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. That's fucked up. Yeah, um, <laughs> so one, <laughs> but I giggle, because, you know. The laugh, the laugh, I know. I, I know mean, the laugh, that yeah. means there's more. <laughs> yeah, there is more. So one inmate, who, uh, his name was Ruf McCain, R-U-F-E, McCain, was confined here for over three years after an escape attempt. Uh, shortly after being released from the hole, he stabbed another inmate to death and was actually acquitted on the grounds that cell 14D had done irreparable damage to his psyche. And he was in 14D for three years? Yes. Wow. And when he was released, he stabbed an inmate to death and then was acquitted. Because he was... Because... He was in... Yes. 14D. Holy shit. Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, So, the thing wasn't always reported in D-Block. It seemed to roam the grounds. It also took different forms, um, as in its dark eyes glowed, not just red, but different colors, and in the day, it took on an entirely different apparition. Uh, 
uh, inmates, guards, and other sources have spoken of the same thing. A man roaming the grounds in 19th century clothing. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, if that doesn't scare you, which by the size of both of your sets of eyes does, uh, if that doesn't scare you, you can go ahead and explore the cell yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, which apparently you actually can. Uh, guides will apparently allow you to go into this cell with the door shut for several minutes. Uh, apparently a great number of people do this and then beg to be let out much sooner than the time oh allotted. God. Yeah. People are weird. People are weird. <laughs> I mean, people are weird. And I have thought, in doing my research, I was like, would I do this? I could do that. I could do that. I could totally do that. Oh, but fuck no. Fuck no, I can't do that. I mean, <laughs> I mean. Why would you? Uh, just to see. Just because. Just to see. If, if, if. if just because she would. <laughs> I, I really, I would, I would try. I mean, I would probably be uh, one of these great number of people that, like, bangs on the door and be- begs to be out immediately. <laughs> but I really, I would try. I would try. And I think both of you know that that's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Let's talk a little bit about good old Al Capone. Oh, Lord. He's probably the most famous. He, yes. Him and the Birdman of Alcatraz. Yeah. Yeah. So, Al Capone. Now... Al Capone was the infamous gangster, and he did spend, as Archie mentioned, his last years in Alcatraz, strumming along with the prison's banjo band. Uh, (laughs) What? Oh, God. Yeah. I didn't read that. You didn't? No. Okay. And if I did, I would have thought it was fucking ridiculous. It was fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, However, it's true. Uh, Now, he started to... um, be- he began to enter the throes of the symptoms of his untreated syphilis. Uh, he was known to act detached, spend all day long making and remaking his bed in his cell, refusing to leave his cell for meals, and becoming generally paranoid. Okay. Um, now, his wife <laughs> did send him a banjo, which I guess he, you know, enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> and before he became a lunatic... Which, syphilis has been known to turn your brain into Swiss cheese. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Banjo full of syphilis. A banjo, yeah, yeah. Mm. But... Did he die in... Did he die in Alcatraz? Yeah. No, he didn't. Um, He was released and he died within three or four years at his Florida home. But from syphilis. So, he... His wife apparently sent him a banjo... And because, like, when he first got there, he was still a very, he was a silver-tongued devil. And he was always talking, like you said in your part. Mm -hmm. He was always talking, he was always, you know... Wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and dealing, exactly. So he (laughs) was allowed to keep this banjo from his wife. And again, he he just kind of became generally paranoid. Uh, (laughs) So it's believed and reported that uh, he was so afraid for his life because of the gangster that he was. He was so afraid to practice his banjo out in public, he would practice it in the showers. And he was allowed to do this. (laughs) 
it, because it was a quiet place, it was a solitary prison, mm-hmm. hardly anybody was allowed to just kind of like wander around and, and be out and about. So he was allowed, the guards allowed him to practice his banjo. In the showers. In the showers. Naked and alone. Oh, so not necessarily while he was taking a shower. No, just in the, in the privacy shower. of oh, the showers. Okay. Yeah. Because oh. when I heard you say that earlier, I thought, God, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Naked in the shower Naked alone? Naked in the shower alone. What? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> banjo. You know. Oh. oh. Snort love. Snort love. Damn it. Bingo square. High five. Woo! Uh, yeah, no. They it, he, they let him play in the privacy of the showers. I mean, maybe he was freeballing. I'm not really sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. It was a little before don't, my time. Don't listen. I know. She tried to cover her puppy's ears. There we go. Okay. Um, In recent years, however, a park ranger, more than one, has actually claimed that they have heard banjo music coming from the shower room. Uh, One particular park ranger who was not familiar with the history of Alcatraz, he hears this music and he could not find a reason for the sound and documented the strange event in his nightly log. Uh, other visitors, however, along with employees, have reported hearing the sound of a banjo coming from the prison walls. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, I sure. Okie dokie. I will never listen to that banjo playing part in the beginning of Pirates of the Caribbean ride. I'll never hear it the same again. Huh. <laughs> But anyway, uh, one of the people who heard the music was Ranger Lori Brosnan, who said the visitors had also reported a cold chill in the shower room just before the banjo starts to play. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, And we all know what happens with shrinkage. (laughs) 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 Brosnan. Brosnan also reported that at times, that at times every door in Alcatraz was locked. Although some that every door in Alcatraz was locked up for the night, and she was the only one with keys, doors were heard slamming and whispered lingered down the halls around the shower room. God, I mean, you know. Anyway, rumor has it that Capone was still able to manipulate the guards, as I mentioned earlier, allowing him to keep the banjo his wife sent Hmm. and run his rackets from behind bars, and that's why he enjoyed luxuries such as a radio and cell 181, which you, it is pointed out on the tour when you go, um, was the only cell at at Alcatraz that was carpeted. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, I mean, if you remember back to Eastern State, Al Capone also had a, an amazing cell there as well. I mean, <laughs> it had a radio, and it had a bookshelf, and it had a lamp, and a writing desk, and it had a rug in it. I mean, he had... Yeah. Oh, God. I'm telling you, Silver Tongue Devil, that's who loved a banjo. <laughs> well, do you think... If part of it was because people were afraid to not, you know, to say no to him. I mean, maybe I mean, it was. It's widely believed that he was the the whole reason behind the St. Valentine's Day massacre in Chicago. 
I, I mean, it's it's reasonable to think that he, you know, he was a silver tongued devil, he but didn't also have a like lot of threatened a, respect for life. That's for sure. I mean, for sure. Anyway. To kill a guard in in Alcatraz. Be any big deal. Exactly. So you know what? Let this little weird guy whose brain is, you know, <laughs> being eaten alive by syphilis, play his little banjo in the oh, shower. Yeah, I mean God. it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I mean it's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But let's talk about something better. There's something better. The butcher. Okay. Okay. The butcher or just butcher. Yes. So the laundry room, which is in cell block C, is also said to hold an unseen presence. There was a moment where a CBS news team brought in celebrity psychic Sylvia Brown. Oh. Uh huh. Which you knew about her, and I had no idea. Mm. Yeah. Oh, isn't she dead now? She's long dead, yeah. But <laughs> at this point. Everybody connected to that place is probably long dead now. I mean, for real. So, CBS News team brought in Sylvia Brown, along with ex-convict Leon Thompson. Oh. Yeah, it sounds like a match made in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Sylvia immediately encountered an unseen presence, as well as strong impressions of violence in the laundry room. Okay, I mean, she's in a prison. So, she goes on to describe a tall man... With a bald head and small beady eyes. Now the ex-convict <laughs> Leon Thompson. Did you date a guy that looked like that? No. Like I feel like that was what that chuckle no, was about. No, but I mean, a tall man. A tall with small... man with small beady eyes. Now, of course, he wouldn't be a tall, good-looking man with big brown eyes, and he has to be a beady-looking little guy. <laughs> a tall man, though. <laughs> With beady eyes. With beady eyes, well. Oh, well, shit, if he had a beard, he'd be right a mile. <laughs> God. Archie talks a lot about people and, and who he wants up his alley. <laughs> wow. I only say have the shit to get a reaction out I of know, her. it's amazing. She, she, it never fails. She's consistent. <laughs> anyway, so Leon Thompson, the ex-convict, uh, walks toward this woman and he said, I remember Butcher. He was a hitman with Murder Incorporated before they caught him. His name was Albie Maldowitz, but we called him Butcher. Another prisoner killed him here in the laundry room. Oh. That's pretty specific. Very specific. And also on record. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she kind of nailed it right on the head that you know, this happened, she didn't know, and they were both told to, like, not speak to each other, just, mm-hmm. this is what you're doing, this is, you know, walk mm-hmm. through it, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, again, prison records indicated that he had, in fact, died in the laundry room when he was brutally murdered by another inmate. Other mysterious incidents from the same room include the heavy smell of smoke in the air, even though nothing is burning. Now, during a seance... Sylvia Brown tried to convince Butcher's ghost to leave the prison, but the ghost refused. He's got nowhere else to go. I I get that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that just yep. kind of makes a ton of sense. Nope. 
Not leaving. Not leaving. All right, so let's get into just a little bit about the Battle of Alcatraz. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, yes. So as the body count mounted and the anger and frustration built during this three-day battle, um, some have said that rage can still be felt today in those very same areas where the battle took place. Oh. Yeah. So... Back to when you were saying that the island itself and the building, uh, sections of the building were made of sandstone, Mm -hmm. it goes back to that stone tape theory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there is a radio show um, program in San Francisco that was, I mean, I don't know if it's still there, but it was called KGO Radio Morning. And one of their news anchors by the name of Ted Weigand or Weigent, Weigent, he was a skeptic of the paranormal. And he actually visited Alcatraz in 1982 with a psychic by the name of Jeannie Borgian. Now, they spent the night there touring and just kind of doing investigations. Uh, There is an area underneath the cells that's called the dungeon. And it's kind of... From everything I've seen, everything I've read, um, everything that I've heard different podcasts describe it as it's not something that's open to the public. It's not something that's part of the tours. It's not something you can actually like go down into. Mm-hmm. But it looks like a series of catacombs that branch off into different things underneath the actual prison in the bedrock of the island. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's called the dungeon. And in this part of... The uh, prison is is where these folks were filming, and he said this. Ted Weigent, uh, or Weigent, said that for the most of the duration of the visit, they found nothing. But around guess what time? Two or three a.m. Three a.m. Mm. Yeah, in the utility corridor, um, which was one of the places where three of the men of the nineteen forty six battle. Battle of Alcatraz were shot dead. He said that although it was pitch black, he suddenly got a, quote, tremendous feeling of anger. And he felt that an evil presence was lying on the floor at the place where the men had died. Now, he started to curse, and he said that he felt a strong compulsion to fire a gun at people. Oh. Yes. The psychic Did he have one on him? No, he oh. didn't. <laughs> the psychic that was psychic that was with him said that it it made this guy, this Ted Wigant, quite out of character and said that when they turned on the light, his face was changed. You could see the anger and the hatred in his eyes. Wow. Wholly unlike this man. Uh, So the man has said that though it is quite difficult for him to believe that there was something really there, however, he is certain that he felt that something had happened to him that changed him. Okay. Are you you done? Yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) Chewie and I are having a moment. Well, stop. I have a powerful ending. Okay. She's got a powerful ending. I hate it when you have to explain (laughs) that you're so close to a powerful ending and they just keep doing the same shit. Well. And slow down your powerful <laughs> ending to where it's just a mediocre ending. Okay, move along. Okay. <laughs> so, 
Some of the other claims, uh, <laughs> there was one occasion when a renowned ghost hunter by the name of Richard Sennett and a psychic, <clears throat> excuse me, and a psychic spent the night on Alcatraz. Sennett locked himself into cell 12D, uh, where another evil spirit is said to make his home. D-Block is not a kosher place. Why, why would you do that? To see what happens. Oh, you wouldn't do that, would you? I, I mean, I get it. Listeners, <laughs> you get it. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he locked himself in cell 12D, where an evil spirit is said to make his home. Now, as the steel, steel door was closed, the ghost hunter felt icy fingers wrap around his neck. While the psychic, also at the same time, experienced visions of bodies of twisted and dismembered men. Oh. Uh, that might be a little more than I bargained for. Mm. But. Yeah, yeah, Did you I mean, like the ending? This is my powerful ending. <laughs> wow. No. This is the big build-up for the powerful ending. I mean, you know. I mean, if you're into that. I mean, <laughs> you got to preheat the oven before you put it in the turkey. Uh, <laughs> God. <laughs> I, you know, I think you Snort, can... laugh, big old scratch. Oh, my God. <laughs> Three bingos now. Yes. Now, let's go to cell block C. <laughs> Many believe that the utility passageway where convicts Bernard Coy, Joseph Kretzer, and Marvin Hubbard were killed during their escape attempt in 1946 is haunted. It's widely reported that loud, clanging noises are often heard, but stop when the door to the cell block is opened, mm. um, only to resume again once it's closed. So, uh, <laughs> I heard Coy. <laughs> So did we. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's here for the podcast. He's here to provide, provide the background. No, he's not. He's, he's, he's going to be haunting everyone forever. Forever. Um, others have reported seeing the apparitions of the men. Um, also, other men wearing fatigues. Now, the Marines were eventually called in to this Battle of Alcatraz. Mm -hmm. uh, because the prison and the guards and the warden just could not get fucking control. Oh, so they called it. in the Marines. They called in the Marines. So it's often um, reported of seeing men wearing fatigues and hearing disembodied. Again, there's that word, disembodied, <laughs> obviously. How do you hear disembodied people? Well, I mean, you hear the voices that are disembodied, which is... Uh, Just means you hear voices. You hear voices, but no... But you... They don't have claim, a body. You can oh. claim that you're not psychotic. Oh. Yeah, you can claim you're not psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there's that. Um, anyway, uh, hearing voices at the site of the riot that left the three prisoners dead. Uh, <laughs> now, in 1992, Alcatraz was featured on the popular television program Sightings, where several of the Park Service staff confirmed the haunted history of the prison. They also told stories that were unexplainable, such as crashing sounds, running footsteps, unearthly screams. I'm, I, screams are a common reported sound heard in this empty prison. But you can't really... I mean, that's not entirely surprising, mm. given the conditions you went in great detail about an yeah. hour and a half. 
Um, oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Good lord. Let me put my shoes back. I mean, shit. <laughs> Where's that tequila? Um, it's all gone. Oh, <laughs> shit. Well, shit. Okay. Uh, Archie's right as it's left because he's the guy's like, I'm not waiting. <laughs> Cell doors that mysteriously close of their own accord, moans, chains rattling, and the constant feeling of being watched. This TV show sightings also enlisted the help of a psychic investigator, Peter James, to get his impressions as he walked through the prison. He soon described hearing the voices of men who had been driven, who had been driven mad and experienced um, the emotional feeling of abuse, fear, and pain. I don't necessarily know as being a psychic is worth it if you're going to... Mm. It's Mm-mm. just well, awful. No, you're you're not always going to experience the good side. Yeah, it's not all sunshine you know, and butterflies. Gonna, and there had to be a tremendous amount of abuse mm-hmm. that were, was heaped on these oh, prisoners. For sure. You know, I mean, I mean, you're kind of tromping right all over my powerful ending. You know, oh, oh, damn it, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, even income tax evasion, whatever you were in there for, <laughs> did not. No, it deserved didn't. the. The abuse that they probably got. Well, I I mean, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. And she actually followed your history portion much more than I did. Oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> Love you. Love you. Oh, social distance high five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, um, as Archie mentioned, one of the first wardens of Alcatraz was a man by the name of James Johnston. Yes. And, yes... And one notable thing about him was that he didn't actually didn't believe in ghosts. Uh, <laughs> that actually might have changed one day when he was leading a group of guests on a tour of the, quote, Devil's Prison of America. Mm. Yes. Devil's Prison of America. Yeah, sounds like a magical place. <laughs> I mean... Not exactly Disneyland, but, you know. But, hey, you know what, for some Next best thing. Next best thing. Ah. I mean, that's also haunted. Check out our magical bonus episode. Nice. Okay. Shameless plug. Okay. Um, (laughs) So as this James Johnston was telling guests about the intricacies of the prison... Is that the word? Intricacies? Intricacies. Thank you. I said that. Yeah. You did. Good job. Yay. Yay me. Of the prison. All of a sudden he stopped and the entire group heard the unmistakable sound of a woman crying. A woman? Uh-huh. That's... See, yes, exactly. That's what I said. A woman? <laughs> no, no. That was coy. <laughs> oh, <sorry>. uh, <laughs> Okay. So, it, at the, the, the sound of the woman crying appeared to be coming from the walls, and as the sobs rose in volume, a cold wind... Wind swept through the room and through each individual on this tour. Yeah. That's creepy. Uh, for sure. Uh, not one guest took another step forward, and the warden Johnston could never explain why they heard what they did. Mm-hmm. So he still maintained he was always a skeptic, but that was kind of fucking weird. <laughs> and he quit the next day and retired and to a farm in Iowa. Uh, Velisca. Iowa. No, I'm kidding. Oh, was, God. No, no, I'm totally Jesus joking. Jesus, Carrie. I know. I'm just trying to tie shit in together. But no, that was a lie. I made it all up. Well, the, the list of Iowa part. Not the, oh, my the, God. The tour. Um, 
So, apparently in the early 1900s, like Archie said, not apparently, he said it. it <laughs> Archie actually said that. Okay, apparently. I remember Archie saying it. Okay, so apparently Archie said that in the early 1900s, <laughs> the members of the Hopi tribe who resisted the reservation system were brought there as prisoners. Right? Yes. Okay. He, That's correct. He fucking nodded. It's a radio show. You're drinking, you're <laughs> drinking your mother's wine. <laughs> yes. Give it here. So, um, the members of the Hopi tribe who resisted the reservation system were brought there as prisoners. Uh, multiple accounts by guards attest to times when they saw natives dancing in circles, then suddenly vanishing in the night. Oh, that must be nice. Mm. What? No, the vanishing in the night. I know. Like, you want to do right now. Oh, fuck yeah. You're like, about four hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> but continue, Carrie. Sorry. I was... Yes, please. Yeah. Just your grand finale. My, my grand finale. Finale? Jesus. Finale. Okay. Another psychic by the name of Dina Smaller and psychologist Larry Mons investigated the prison and found nothing in D Block or the South. They investigated the prison and they found nothing in D Block or the cell house. Oh, cell house. Yes. They were equipped, however, with an EMF detector. And they picked up a reading in the New Industries building in the area where the inmates had been employed in sewing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ah. Why can't they be there making math today? Well, it's no longer a prison. No, right, right, right. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's just not functioning. Well, there's prisons all over the country, though. Why don't they have those people doing something? That's another podcast. Oh, right, right. Okay. <laughs> Let's move along. And uh, not this one. <laughs> Um, so the psychic said that she picked up on the intense, intense sound of buzzing, the buzzing of sewing machines and energy of the workplace when suddenly she felt an intense pain in her neck. And there is a video on YouTube that I watched that shows this occurrence happening with the psychic and, um, the psychologist and they're walking through this old workshop. And when out of nowhere she stops and she kind of grabs her neck like she feels a pain in her neck. Hmm. So they kind of stop and nothing happened for several minutes until the EMF detector did a spike. The psychologist said that unless there was an, uh, another electromagnetic device in the building or electricity or outlets or anything running through that part of the building that would cause it to spike, uh, then... There was definitely paranormal activity taking place. Oh, wow. Yeah, so in this particular area, there was no other uh, device putting off an electromagnetic field, such as a laptop or a phone or what have you. An electric socket? No electricity in this part of the building. Oh. So, uh, yeah, but... So so were they walking there through the dark, or...? They were just, yeah, they were just walking through it, just kind of, so the psychic could kind of get the lay of the land, whatever. She stopped, and she felt this, like, sharp pain in her neck. And at the same time, this EMF detector spiked. Even though there was no... Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, the guy that was filming them was several feet back. This apparently, this camera guy was well enough away from them that they'd been walking around with this EMF detector and it hadn't gone off until this one moment. 
So, apparently, unbeknownst to this psychic and this psychologist who the psychic felt the pain in her neck and the psychologist was like, there's no other reason for the EMF detector besides paranormal activity. Uh, they did not realize that in 1939, a prisoner by the name of Rufus McCain attempted to escape Alcatraz along with somebody named Henry Young, Arthur Baker, and two other men. They managed to get to the shore, but the guards caught up with them as McCain suddenly realized he couldn't swim. Not sure I <laughs> that, oh my god, oh, wait a minute. He realized it. I oh, can't swim. Fuck. Right, we're on an island. Shit. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Not, no, not, no. <laughs> really not. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Two guards were apparently murdered during the incident, Barker was killed, and both McCain and Young were put into solitary confinement for almost an entire year. Young blamed McCain, the guy that couldn't swim, for the failure of the escape, and the tension between the two men had grown. Now, I guess, now, the escape attempt was in 1939, and in December of 1940, Young snuck out of the furniture shop, which he had been put to work in crept down to the tailor shop where McCain was working and stabbed him in the gut. McCain was seriously injured and lived another couple of painful hours before finally dying in the hospital. So this psychic was walking through this tailor shop. She feels this horrible pain in her neck, but it was, she was sort of channeling this murder even though the guy was stabbed in his gut, for whatever reason, she felt the pain in her neck, and they feel like it was some sort of like residual energy of this murder taking place in this very same room. And it was the only, I mean, neck, gut. Yeah, they're closed. They're closed. Sort of. I mean, sort of. Short. I mean, for sure. Or maybe he was bending over. I mean, you never know. Um, so... Uh, the video that captured the entire thing uh, was was actually pretty breathtaking. I mean, she just stopped out of nowhere and she like felt this pain and I don't, I don't know. Um, and again, it just so happened to be that the only murder that occurred in that room was this murder yeah. between the guy that couldn't swim and tried to escape from an island. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of loose fucking ends yeah, to this story. It kind of is. It kind of. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now, the passage between B and C blocks, the cell areas where most Alcatraz prisoners were kept, was affectionately called Broadway. Again, uh, most of the corridors were named after famous streets in America. Mm -hmm. um, many visitors, guards, and park rangers have experienced something eerie in this area. Night watchmen have heard what sounds like men running on the upper levels, only to find nobody there. Um, and now this is... After it's, you know, been closed and it's closed overnight after tours have, 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 have happened. Uh, visitors have also heard voices talking, moaning, or sobbing in these areas, as well as the experienced unexplained cold areas or strange smells, including rotting flesh. Ew. Ooh, yeah, I you know I'm I'm it it probably is enough to make one wish they were back at the Driscoll smelling Mrs. Bridges roses. 
However, uh, <laughs> prisoners had been known to witness ghostly events as well, uh, claiming to have seen strange floating lights and heard whispers and slamming doors even after they were shut. Apparitions have also been have also reportedly appeared, and at least one guard believed that he saw a group of marching Native Americans that mysteriously vanished. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Now, there was a British couple by the name of Sheila Sillery Walsh and Paul Rice that were vacationing in San Francisco and decided to take a tour of Alcatraz, as you do. Mm -hmm. Except that we didn't do that when we were there. No, you were five. Your grandmother was with us. I mean... I was staying at the St. Francis Hotel. I didn't really give a shit about (laughs) <laughs> I don't remember you asking me what I wanted to do. You were five. You oh were my god! Off, you were hanging <laughs> off of cable cars in yeah. my Judy Garland ruby slippers. Yeah, in your Judy Garland ruby slippers. <laughs> anyway, so this couple <laughs> was vacationing without their mommy. <laughs> <laughs> they were five. <laughs> in San Francisco, and they decided to tour Alcatraz because it was on their must. Do list. Not when you're five. <laughs> As they were at the prison, the woman, uh, Sheila, immediately experienced an uncomfortable feeling as she stepped into the prison. Um, and I kind of feel like you and I would be like, we would know if some shit was mm-hmm. not normal. Um, while on an audio tour, she saw a neat photo opportunity, which, by the way, the article said neat, and I was like, I love it, neat. It's <laughs> <laughs> not used nearly enough. So, she saw a neat photo opportunity in a small cell window and took a picture with her phone. She immediately noticed the face of a woman looking out the window from the other side, but there was nobody in the room. Now, when she told her fiancé, he brushed it off as a reflection of either her or another visitor, but the woman in the photo had clothing and a hairstyle from the 1930s or 40s. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. The couple asked some Alcatraz staff who had been there around that time if they recognized her. I'm sorry, this is a loyal bunch of employees. <laughs> <laughs> to be working there. I mean, even the prisoners come back and they're like, come on, let me take you on a tour <laughs> of this hell house in the middle of the fucking San Francisco Bay. Anyway, so the couple asked some Alcatraz staff who had been there around that time if they recognized her, but nobody did. Both she and her fiancé are certain the woman was a ghost, but since there were never any female prisoners on Alcatraz, it may never be clear who she really is. However. However. Uh-oh. There were Native American families that lived there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, now, the Citadel and the Infirmary are another uh, two of the most active places on the island that report ghostly activities occasionally. Hearing screams from the corners is... um, Hearing screams from corners is one typical activity that takes place at the Citadel. The Infirmary, on the other hand, is more controversial and scary. So... So we're not going to go into that, right? No, we absolutely are. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, on one of the occasional visits, a group of paranormal researchers communicated with the ghosts, asking them if there was anything they'd like to know, and the response that came over the EVP when it was re-reviewed was, the dark is power. Ooh. Now, George Machine Gun Kelly has reportedly been sighted in the prison's church, interesting, 
Along with Alvin Creepy Carpus. Who is he? Did you mention him? Uh, Alvin Carpus. He no. was, uh, he had a nickname. Creepy. No. Moswitz was <laughs> here. No, I know, but that's not what they called him. Alvin Carpus. Who was he? Give me your phone. Give me somebody's phone. Give me a phone. Oh, gee, goddamn. Why is Alvin Carpus? Google it. Google yeah. it. Now it's going to bug me. Wow, all right. So while the live studio audience Googles Alvin Carpus, <laughs> uh, they are both said to haunt the prison, bakery, and the kitchen. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Birdman of Alcatraz, Robert Stroud. One visitor and his wife have claimed to hear canaries singing in what was the cell of Robert Stroud and to have seen him on the bed reading a book. Yet Stroud was never permitted to keep birds in his cell as he'd done at former prisons. It is a misnomer, and I know that you had mentioned it, and you had asked, Mom, why is he known as the Birdman of Alcatraz when he was never allowed birds yeah. at Alcatraz? Yeah. Uh, that was for the movie. Just for the movie. Well, no. Oh, when because he was... Alcatraz was more well-known than... Than Leavenworth. Than Leavenworth. And Leavenworth was really where he got into ornithology. Hmm. Which is the study of birds. Yeah, and, and according to ornithologists, tens of people die every year from birds. Damn. Tens. Wow. Tens, tens of people. Oh, my God. As oh. much as we have in our Patreon account. Okay, his nickname was Creepy. Right. I, I just said that. You had to Google that? <laughs> no, there were, he... Um, fuck it. <laughs> she immediately lost interest. That was, that was fascinating to witness, Mommy. Thank you. Jesus. So, um, yes, he, he became known for being one of the most world-renowned ornithologists when he was at Leavenworth. But what happened was, uh, because again, the worst of the worst got sent to Alcatraz. So if the normal <laughs> prisons couldn't control them, then they sent them to Alcatraz because they were just beyond all hope. And Leavenworth was being overrun by birds? Uh, <laughs> no. But what Robert Stratton was doing at Leavenworth, and I don't know if you came across this in your portion, what he was doing at Leavenworth was he was basically... Uh, bootlegging alcohol out of a cell. And that's what got him sent in, to Alcatraz. In the name of ornithology research. Oh. Yeah. So while he did probably have a very it was, yeah, he, genuine he found interest. out a bunch of canary diseases. He's mm -hmm. written a bunch of published paper. I mean, he was very well respected in ornithology, even though he was a psycho psychotic killer. <laughs> Gangster. No, he, he was a killer. He was a homicidal maniac. But Who loves the birds? <laughs> Who loves birds? Just not people. Well, no. Birds are, birds are awful. <laughs> I mean, it really comes down to the hollow bones. To the what? Hollow bones <laughs> of birds. Okay. I mean, if you're trying to figure out why he was a homicidal maniac. <laughs> yeah, no, maniac. I don't. Okay. I don't really care. Okay. <laughs> it's a good, you know, Burt Lancaster was good as, you know, as Robert Stroud. Birdman, yeah. But the Birdman of Alcatraz <laughs> is a total misnomer strictly done for the movie. Because okay. he, he was not allowed to have any of his birds. birds at Alcatraz. At Alcatraz. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's a painful irony. 
It really is. It really is. Mm. So, uh, anyway, um, canaries have been heard singing in what was the cell of Robert Stroud. Now, that's pretty much what I have on the hauntings of Alcatraz. Uh, I mean... Some of that stuff's really creepy. It's super <laughs> creepy. So the 14, cell 14D, the, the, the red-eyed guy, the guy, mm. I, I mean... The gangsters and the, you know... The, the creepy yeah. fucking banjo. Apparently, at one point, Al Capone just sat in the shower and just played this one chord on his banjo over and over and over and over. Oh, over God. Well, that's intentionally that. creepy. That's intentionally creepy. Um, I mean, maybe he wrote the song for Small World. I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's another one that if it's, uh, you know, played on a loop, it's, it's, it's creepy. Um... I, I'm just spitballing here. Really oh, don't. Okay. I have no idea. Uh, I do want to say, in closing, my part, I I was looking for a lot of different quotes, famous quotes about Alcatraz, to close my part, and I only found this one that I actually feel is the most um, accurate, and it is actually a line from the movie Escape from Alcatraz, and it's said by the warden. Oh God. And who plays the warden? Um, this actor. <laughs> Someone. Uh, so and so. Okay. Thibault? Somebody Thibault. Jack Thibault? Simon? Sure, we'll go sure, with that. We'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> this actor portrayed the warden, and this is what he said. And so I'm actually going to close my part with it because I actually thought it was sort of apropos. The line is, and it's multiple lines, but anyway, the quote is, <laughs> if you disobey the rules of, of, I'm going to start over. Oh, wow. Pause. <laughs> Give me more wine. Wow. Yeah, because you obviously need more. It's a good quote. I'm serious. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it would be. I mean, for real. Uh, if you were to read this, you'd be blown away. <laughs> I mean, I'm blown away. Just, you know, read it. <laughs> trying. She's trying. I'm trying. Okay. Quote, if you disobey the rules of society, they send you to prison. If you disobey the rules of the prison, they send you to us. Alcatraz is not like any other prison in the United States. Here, every inmate is confined alone to an individual cell. Unlike my predecessors, Wardens, Johnston, and Blackwell, I don't have a good conduct program. I do, not, I do not have inmate councils. Inmates here have no say in what they do. They do as they're told. You're not permitted to have newspapers or magazines carrying news. Knowledge of the outside world is what we tell you. From this day on, your world will be everything that happens in this building. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That's my powerful ending. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was good, right? That's good. That was good. Yeah. So I really felt like, even though it was from a movie, I feel like it really encapsulated what life at Alcatraz was was, was like. Like, yeah. Um, and a lot of the former prisoners and and things like that have kind things of things like, like that. People like that. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. What have you? Whatever. Um, Miscreants and nefarious ne'er do wells. What have you? What have you? Things like that. Um, a lot of the interviews and such. <laughs> things like that. 
Oh, God. Kind of attest to the fact that it wasn't, you know, supposed to be a motherfucking spa. It was... Yeah, it was yeah. If the prisons here on the mainland, or whatever you want to call the, the, this, had prisoners they could not keep under control, they were sent to Alcatraz, where they were pretty much beaten down into... Submission. Submission. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there was, you know, solitary confinement. There was the hole. There was um, the dungeons where prisoners were, uh, they were held from the ceiling um, with their arms in shackles and they were naked and they were hung there for 10 to 12 hours a day. I mean, it was some of the worst conditions in any prison that I have heard about that is reportedly haunted, certainly worse than what we've covered in the show, Eastern State and what have you. Mm, mm, mm. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that that quote kind of summed up probably pretty accurately what life was like to be an inmate on Alcatraz. Which may contribute to the fact that, or the reason that it's no longer open. I mean, RFK <clears throat> probably was not wrong in ordering it closed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably yeah. had so, a lot of yeah, I thought that very last line from this day on, your world will be everything that happens in this building. And it, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Uh, so. Not anywhere near what today's. Oh, no. Penal system is. Oh, like. no, for sure. Uh, no. I mean. I, I don't think. I mean, I'm not that familiar with the penal system. I mean, system. the last time you were in the penal system, was it this bad? <laughs> it just, like, yeah, talked no, to me. I, you know, yeah. I didn't feel that at all. Cool. <laughs> Orange is the New Black is super accurate description of what the jails are like for women. Okay. Uh, oh my god. Okay. It was. It's one of my favorite shows, actually. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about No Before You Go. Uh, their website is uh, nps.gov slash alca. Uh, <laughs> this is my favorite part about my No Before You Go. Their address. Are you ready? Can I write it down, Arch? Here oh, yeah. Go. Write it down, Archie. I'm right on top of that, Rose. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. You can mail anything you'd like, letters or what have you, to Alcatraz Island, 37.8267 degrees north by 122.4233 oh, degrees west, San Francisco, California, 94122. Mm. And who is there to receive these letters or whatever? I don't know. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly, the Birdman, <laughs> Al the Ghost of Al Capone. I mean, I'm sure that there's somebody that would still love their postal job. Yeah, there's probably a facility manager there still. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh my God! Could you be the facilities manager? Dream job. Dream job. And Alcatraz. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. Somebody there has to... Someone's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Maintain I mean, the they obviously have an address that you can send mail to. Well, <laughs> it just cracks me up that it's actual, like, longitude and latitude. Coordinates. Yeah. Well, yeah. Governor Newsom, I'm sure he would be happy to. I'm in sure. In the right direction. Yeah. I know a bunch of people that live in California. I'll hook you up. Don't worry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Super. Super. Okay. So, as with everything, uh, because of COVID-19, the parks are temporarily closed... Uh, Alcatraz Alcatraz is is one of them. Uh, However, once everything does get back online, entrance fees are 
one adult daily ticket, which includes your ferry across the bay. Oh, and nice. the audio tour is $39.90. Oh, that's not bad. <clears throat> yeah. Apparently, it's a little too wow. steep a price for my mother to pay. Uh, okay. So. Well, you know, you live on Social Security. I mean, sure. <laughs> However, the tour, tour that you and I, Archie, will take is the adult night tour. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Archie, yeah. you're a brave son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, That's I, all I can say. He's like, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice that. in that. <laughs> I don't have a choice in any of it. Literally, not even doing this podcast. <laughs> so I don't know why you... Archie, I mean, but yeah, let's call him brave. Good job. Brave Archie. Oh, yay. Yay, Archie. Yay, pat me on the back. There you go. I'll do uh, it because nobody <laughs> else will. <laughs> So the adult night ticket is forty-seven thirty. Again, it includes the ferry plus the audio tour. Or what we really should do is the adult behind-the-scenes tour. Do we get to stay on the island? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, fuck this game. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Screw this island. My God. Yeah. Uh, that's ninety-two dollars and thirty cents. Well, you know I'd be in for it, but that thirty-two cents is just a deal breaker. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, come on. Over the top. Don't right, don't calm push down. it. It's thirty cents, not thirty-two. Oh, oh well. I that's mean, does reasonable. that change everything? Oh no, not at all. I mean, it, it really should. Wow. One thing I did want to mention because I thought it was really fascinating was they do not allow pets on Alcatraz. Of course, the exception being service dogs. But the reason why I thought was amazing, and I think I read it to you last night, um, for many visitors, seeing wildlife is a highlight of, na- of a national park visit. Unfortunately, the mere presence of pets in the park alters the natural behavior of native wildlife. Aww. Alcatraz is a sensitive habit... Habit? Habitat. Habit for ghost hunters, and we don't want to upset the dogs. <laughs> 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 Sorry, no. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Which is why I thought it was so fascinating that it's on their website. No. Um, <laughs> shit. Boy, have you got a lot of editing to do. <laughs> so much. Oh my god, now I'm going to have to listen to it. You are. Yeah. I'm going to be like, does this sound stupid? Should this I is really it? fucked up. How do you have one to say all this shit? I'm going to cut it all out. I'm going to Alcatraz is a sensitive habitat for birds who nest on the island due to its lack of predators. In national parks, the native species have priority. Oh. Uh-huh. Like like pelicans? Like Alcatraces. Alcatraces. There you go. Like what? Alcatraces. <laughs> what the hell is that? Pelicans. pelicans. Oh, <laughs> Archie was wow. getting demonic in his <laughs> tone of voice. Yeah. I literally have one. Kind of I mean, for real. He knows I have one more sentence, and he's just trying <laughs> to go home and go to bed. Trying to get out. For real. Uh, <laughs> odors left behind by dogs may prevent wildlife from returning to important habitats. So I thought that was really oh. interesting that, um, you know. They I mean, don't like dog shit. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't make <laughs> I really don't need I know. I mean, who wants dog shit in your fucking infirmary or haunted prison? It's just... It's gotta stop. (laughs) It's a courtesy. To not. 
I leave my dog shit everywhere. <laughs> well, if that's the case, we'll never pick it up again, will we, guys? Oh, God. I can't fucking deal anymore. Okay. And it with that, nine. have a good night, everybody. Have a good night. Yeah, it's 9.30. Uh, we've been... Recording since one. And with that, everybody. We are done. We are we done are with done. the tequila and the wine and the episode. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. We um We, we clearly did. Have, did. <laughs> yeah. We we actually had a really great time recording this episode. Oh god. <laughs> anyway, uh thank you so much. Arch, why don't you tell them where they can find us? We on, can be found at HOA. On any street corner. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Well, not if we get enough Patreons. <laughs> I mean... We can be found, that being said, patreon.com slash HOAH podcast. Also, www.hoahpodcast.com. Visit our new sticker store. And on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Again, there's a theme. All at HOAH. All at HOAHpodcast.com. Any forthcoming social media we will be all over that too yes okay uh so anyway thank you guys so much for hanging in there with us this was a big big episode and we had a lot of fun doing it we want to thank you very very much next week we're actually doing a hometown haunt and um a very famous hotel here in phoenix arizona dedicated to one of our um wonderful new friends and we will see you then patreon listeners we will be releasing a blooper reel and our very first uh mini episode in the next two weeks so that's all um that's everything that uh we want to let you guys know patreon donors all of that will be accessible to the every donor at the five dollar and up donor level so thank you so much thanks everybody we love you mom would you want to sign us out you're out and goodbye i mean she could (laughs) say fuck off and die but Uh, she could (laughs) have i mean you're out sounds pretty good all All right right, we'll take it bye guys we'll see you next week